0: This week's episode of Quality Control is brought to you in part by Gamefly, which is the best way that we've found to buy and rent all of your favorite games. At Gamefly.com, you're going to pick your favorite games, and then they're going to get mailed directly to your doorstep. They are the leading video game rental service with over 9,000 titles to choose from. That's going to let you try those games and movies now before you buy them. And you're going to get to keep those games and movies as long as you want. You're never going to have to worry about late fees and you can cancel your service at any time. Go to GameFly.com slash Quality Control to start your free premium 30-day trial today. That premium trial is going to let you check out two games and or movies at a time. You can only get that offer by visiting GameFly.com slash Quality Control. Now go sign up and start playing all of your favorite games absolutely free for the next 30 days. My guest today is Senior Editor Colin Campbell. My name is Charlie Hall, and you're listening to Polygon's quality control. for joining me today Colin how are you I'm very well it's my pleasure to be here it's my pleasure to have you today we're going to talk about Assassin's Creed Origins which you have had the pleasure of playing for it looks like over 50 hours that's a long time
1: yeah I spent the week in uh, in a room in San Francisco last week playing the game Ubisoft insisted that we kind of go to them to play the game as opposed to just receiving some code in our homes. And I think what they wanted was for us to play on the Xbox One X version, which obviously is not possible in any other circumstances. And I get why they'd want us to see the game in its best light. But uh, generally speaking, we do these reviews just at home.
0: All right. So this wasn't necessarily retail code. It also wasn't necessarily on a retail machine. Nonetheless, you got to play through, it sounds like, the whole game. Yeah, I played
1: through the the main story, the main campaign, but what that really means is playing a lot of side quests. I mean, just, just as in any of these RPG-style action adventures, there's a lot of leveling up that has to be done, and this game is is hugely gated. By, by levels. And so if you try to complete a mission that's three or four levels above you, it's very, very difficult. So you're kind of guided through this allegedly open world experience.
0: Well, we'll get to that allegedly open world bit in a minute. But for those who are just joining us who might have been uh, out of the loop for the marketing cycle on this game, what is Assassin's Creed Origins, Colin?
1: Well, as most of our listeners will know, Assassin's Creed is a historical fiction series that goes back about 10 years. And the game started off in the late medieval era and uh, sort of wound its way through the Renaissance, the American Revolution, the French Revolution, British Industrial Revolution, and so on and so forth. And now it's kind of gone back to the beginning, thus Origins, uh, to the point where... Uh, these secret organizations first started to come to blows, so to speak. And the first assassin is this guy called Bayek, and he's living at around the time of the rise of Cleopatra and the Civil War with her brother Ptolemy and the introduction of the Roman Empire into Egyptian politics. So it's a really interesting time and, uh, you know, a fertile place for creating this sort of lovely world.
0: Hmm. Well, I don't know if it's the same where you come from, but here in the U.S., just about every middle school, high school-aged kid at some point becomes an amateur Egyptologist. There's like this strong tradition in the United States of educating students about ancient Egypt. So the upper kingdom and the lower kingdom and the unification and Cleopatra, that's something that I think most students or students of history in the U.S. have a decent grasp of. How does this game's narrative line up with the accepted historical record? Pretty well.
1: Uh, if you know anything about that period, uh, then most of the big events that are, are, are well known kind of happen. I mean, obviously, there is the fact of um, the Roman Civil War happening at that time and how it Kind of literally lands on egypt's shores and so you have these major characters uh, like Pompey, like uh, julius caesar like cleopatra like ptolemy and they're all pretty much as you would expect them to be with a dash of hollywood i mean cleopatra uh she was 21 i guess in real life she seems more like she's in her mid-20s in this story. Caesar is exactly how you'd expect him to be. So I think it lines up with the way that we feel that history is at the moment. There are some uh, moments when there, there's some anachronisms that, you know, that what comes out of Caesar's voice is actually what Shakespeare wrote 1500 years after Caesar was killed. But that doesn't matter. We, you know, we can all live with that stuff.
0: I'm actually in the middle of Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. I don't know if you listen to that podcast at all. He just did a piece, like four, four to six hour lecture on uh, Caesar's Gallic Wars. So I'm like personally really in a mood for some sword and sandal kind of stuff right now. So. It is
1: it is it is heavily inspired, I think, by the sword and sandal uh, movies of the 50s and the 60s, which I love. You know, there's there's actually this huge a trireme battle, which just seems straight out of Ben-Hur. And it's fantastic. You know, you're literally uh, going into sort of ramming speed and trying to ram the other triremes. And even though from a gameplay perspective, it's pretty ordinary stuff, uh, as a spectacle, as a kind of moment, as a piece of entertainment, it's fantastic.
0: Now, I'm looking at the rough draft of your review, which is scheduled to go up later tonight. And in that draft, you say, this is by far... The best looking Assassin's Creed ever made. It's one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. You've been around the block more than a couple of times. That's that's high praise. Well, I think yes and no. I mean, for, to begin with, things
1: tend to look better as as time goes on with video games. You know, better technology, bigger teams, better artists, and you would expect a game made in 2017 on an Xbox One to look better than a game made in 2002 on a PlayStation Two. So 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 yes. Uh, this, but 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 they spent extra time on this game. You know, there was a time when these these Assassin's Creed games were coming out every year, and it was getting to be a bit of a churn. And, it, and you know, you could see that the, the you could almost sense the exhaustion in the games from the teams that were making them. And Ubisoft wisely made the decision to just sort of sit on this game for an extra year and spend a bit more time on it. And it, it really shows because it, it's a, it's a lovely game both from a detail point of view and from a kind of overarching point of view. So. You look at uh, the, the 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 hair on the hide of a hyena and the detail of it, or, or uh, the ruddiness on the skin of an older man, uh, or the sort of brickwork on the side of the uh, the pyramids. But also, if you get on that same pyramid and you look out over ancient Egypt, you get a real sense of place. You get a sense of the buildings, the villages, the rivers, the houses. It feels like a real place. And adding to that is the sense of differentiation between the different regions the different cities uh, and the different places that that you visit uh, as you go through this pretty enormous map in terms of a place to be and to spend time a kind of world simulation uh, it's pretty fantastic and it's interesting that they're releasing a version of it in the new year in which there's no game at all that you just kind of wander around ancient egypt learning about it
0: i am actually super excited about that mode and i want to talk to you about that and a few other items uh, in the the latter half of our podcast. But first, I want to have a quick word from this week's sponsor. This week's episode of Quality Control is brought to you in part by That's It Veggie and Fruit Bars. I am a parent. I have a kid, seven, another kid, four years old. And finding snacks for them to bring to lunch every day, or or for snack time for that matter, is getting harder and harder. Can't give them candy, certainly can't give them anything with nuts in it, and it's got to be pre-packaged stuff at my school, so may I recommend for you That's It Veggie and fruit bars. I got a bunch of free bars from them recently, and I've been putting them through their paces, and you know what? The kids aren't complaining. In fact, they really like them. They're gluten-free, they're kosher, they're vegan, they're raw, diet-friendly, and they're great for getting an extra serving of vegetables in every day. The products are made with real, non-GMO fruit. They're under 100 calories, they're super-delicious, and they get a bunch of fiber in them. There's zero fat, zero, and they include four grams of vegetable protein. That's It is offering my listeners an amazing deal. Go to that'sitfruit.com, enter the code CONTROL at checkout to save 10% off your order. Do what we did and try these new veggie bars too. They're different than the fruit bars. I think you're going to like them. Go to that'sitfruit.com, enter our code CONTROL at checkout to save 10% off your order. Your taste buds and your body will thank you. Welcome back to this week's episode of Polygon's Quality Control. I'm here with senior editor Colin Campbell. We're talking about Assassin's Creed Origins. Another thing that kind of jumped out at me, Colin, in your review here is that ancient buildings were really more than four stories high, you write. But this ancient Egypt is both monumental and vertical. Tell me about that verticality and how it, it manifests itself in the game.
1: There's a lot of building on top of uh, the natural world, and so military installations will be built on a kind of rocky uh, cliffside, so that you 're kind of climbing up the cliffside before you climb up the the, the the walls itself and obviously, Egypt was the most advanced civilization in the world at the time in terms of architecture, and so the walls uh, the, you know the city walls, for example, outside a city are are pretty pretty high i mean we 're not talking about um, Uh, We're not talking about skyscrapers here, but certainly high enough for it to feel as if uh, feel a certain giddiness when you're when you're standing on the top. So the designers have obviously looked at this world, which generally speaking most buildings would have been single story, and figured out ways to make that interesting. And it's just as much fun uh, skipping along the top of these. Uh, these buildings, just normal hovel-type buildings, as, for example, going going around the rooftops of of Victorian London in in a previous game. So they've made good use of the the kind of historical reality in order to create a game that feels as if it's vertical. It feels as if it's got that real
0: Assassin's Creed, uh, you know, parkour and climbing thing going on. How is the combat, though? Like, I don't feel... Like, I have a sense of how ancient Egyptians did melee battles, but d- do they have a, a different character than the other Assassin's Creed games, and do those battles have uh, a, 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 an historical feeling to them?
1: I don't know if they have a historical feeling to them especially uh, I know that they've revamped the combat system and it's pretty basic at first you know you've got your uh you've got your block you've got your attack you've got your heavy attack and you've got a uh, sort of uh, range weapons usually bows and arrows but also you can throw fire bombs at people um I would say that the uh, the combat is functional and you know perfectly reasonable for what it for what it It does. If you are in a battle with two, three or even four people, there's a fair chance that you're going to win. Uh, if they're on the correct levels, as you are, but if you get into the sort of fives and sixes, then there's a fair chance that you're probably going to to lose. And so you're not completely overpowered when you're going into battle with other people. The the bow and the arrow feel slightly underpowered, at least the ones that I that I used. Um, but as you get further into the game and your swords become much more powerful, then you know even against high level enemies, you're really causing a great deal of damage.
0: Now, you, before the break, we talked about that historical mode that's coming. Explain for our listeners what that is and, and when it's expected to show up.
1: Well, they're saying early in uh, twenty eighteen. Uh, I mean, all it is, is is if you take the game and instead of there being like a you know a story and combat and all that stuff, there are just these sort of educational modules. So you go up to uh, you go up to the Sphinx and uh, it'll have a guide there telling you all about how the Sphinx. Was, was built and, and what it was there for and what it would have looked like two, three thousand years ago. So it's, it's a kind of educational module for people who already own the game. So if you play the game and like me, you've got some kids of that age, you know, sort of, the sort of middle school age, you can kind of let them loose on it. Although, to be honest, my kids will probably play, play the game, you know, as it is.
0: Now, uh, last bit on the historical aspects of the game, but you know, traditionally Hollywood has gone to great lengths to almost casually whitewash ancient Egypt, whereas historians believe that it was a much more cosmopolitan, much more eth- ethnically diverse, and much darker-skinned group of people than than Hollywood would lead us to believe. How does Ubisoft approach some of those issues in the in the the, the racial aspect of the game?
1: Well the main characters are dark skinned uh, as you would expect from somebody who uh, you know has lived in born and raised in North Africa. Uh, some of the characters are light-skinned, usually those of Greek descent like Cleopatra, and the Romans especially are sort of more light-skinned. But also Egypt was a kind of, it's kind of like man, the Manhattan of its time. And you know, you had a lot of people coming from all over the world and doing, and doing business. So you get this, this mixture. But there is a definite sense of the tension between uh, the native Egyptians and the, the kind of Greek Elite class that have been in charge of that country, uh, you know, since the invasion of Alexander, and, and I think that there, there is uh, some credit to be given to them for going out of their way to create a world in which people of colour are the majority, rather than just sort of like thrown in as an afterthought, uh, in, as we've seen in in so many uh, of those sort of swords and sandals games, uh, sorry, movies back in back in the day. But there are other historical elements. Which you know I don't know about for sure because Cleopatra, for example, she is a kind of Elizabeth Taylor type character. The first things out of her mouth are about how she wants to, how she would have sex with anybody, any of her courtiers, as long as they agree to uh, give up their life. I don't know if she ever really said that, but I think it's interesting that they would choose that as her focus, this sort of sexualized uh, being, rather than a goddess, which is how she would have wanted to have been seen and how she probably was seen by a lot of the people around her. So they're sort of playing around with the histor- historical of it and, and you know, modern sensibilities. And, for example, Bayek, the main character, he's got this stolid sort of uh, warrior-type um, sensibility where he's quite serious all the time. But he also tells these sort of throwaway jokes that feel kind of modern as well.
0: Now, I want to talk a little bit more about the game's, well, well the gameplay, but before I want to touch on the game's narrative. In, in your view, again, the draft that I'm looking at here, you say that this game offers that rare quality of emotion. Tell me more about that narrative and, and about Bayek and his wife.
1: Yeah, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but Bayek and his wife have a real reason to despise the uh, the government of Ptolemy, of Cleopatra's younger brother, and that emotional uh, leverage i suppose that emotional feeling really comes through in the game in the the intensity of his hatred of these people but also as he goes through you know the missions the quests are are really all about uh, somebody, somewhere, a downtrodden person who has been wronged by the state. And it's, on some of those occasions, it's a small thing. Uh, a, a blacksmith has had his tools stolen. Off you go, try and find the, the tools, maybe kill the gangsters, uh, the, the, um, the outlaws who, who stole his tools. But sometimes it's about real people uh, having their loved ones killed. And there was one uh, question in particular which made me very sad. And I, I think there is a lot to be said about a so-called AAA game that is doing that. You know, I don't get that feeling when I play a Call of Duty game. Um, I sometimes get it when I'm playing a really intimate indie game, but very rarely with a AAA game. And, and, you know, I'm only talking about one occasion in a 50-hour game but I still think it's something of an achievement.
0: As your uh, review kind of takes the turn here towards the, the second half of it, uh, you say, as the side quests roll on, it becomes clear that the gameplay isn't nearly as astounding as the game's setting. Unpack that statement for me.
1: Well, I- in terms of what you do, the kind of toing and froing and coming and going, it's really not much different from any other Assassin's Creed game. You're, uh, you're entering some militarized space or some, some heavily defended space, you're checking out where the, the the points of conflict are, the points of potential revelation are, and you're either avoiding them or you're tackling them kind of from behind. You're sneaking up on people and you're taking them out. And so it's, it's all about sort of management of space and fighting and sneaking around. And there's nothing wrong with that. I actually really enjoy that mixture of gameplay. I think the point that I'm making is that where they have really taken a big step forward in terms of the look of the game. And I think they've taken some, they've made some progress in terms of the narrative. Not much has been done really in terms of the gameplay. And certainly there's nothing revolutionary or especially innovative that's been done here. They have made some improvements around the edges. As I said, they've changed the combat. If you go to a, uh, say, an encampment and you want to try to, to, overcome it you can change the time of day you can sort of go to sleep and then wake up at night time when some of the more onerous guards maybe are taking a nap or they're gambling with one another and less less alert or you can use fire or you can use wild animals um to to get your way there's lots of different ways in which you can achieve what you want to achieve but you're still ultimately achieving the same thing And, and i think what i what i want to say is that it's time for these open worlds to really start doing something new and interesting as opposed to what we've been seeing for, for, for a decade now.
0: I really love the line in your review. Like so many big budget extravaganzas, Assassin's Creed Origins is an attempt to perfectly triangulate the three corners of open world game design. Environment simulation, storytelling and gameplay. Where would you want to see... Assassin's Creed's next offering go more in the direction of.
1: Well, I think that I would like I would like to pick up the next Assassin's Creed game and feel as if I'm doing something different. And, and that that, that, that I, what I mean by that is something different from what I've done in previous Assassin's Creed games, but also something different within that game itself because these quests do have a very sort of similar feel to them after a while. And, you know, go off and talk to this other person, and then that person will send you to another person, and then that person will send you to a garrison, and then you'll either kill somebody or you will capture something, and then you'll come back to the person and you'll be rewarded. And that happens literally 25 times in the game, you know, and each one lasts, you know, 30 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour or whatever it is. And uh, after a while, you sort of think to yourself, isn't there anything else that i can be doing here and you know there are other things there's there's like, as i said before you've got the trireme levels you've got some sort of big boss levels where you're you're uh, you're having this kind of a dream and you're having to kill this godlike creature and you can go out you can hunt uh, there are there are sort of uber quests where you've got to explore the whole world and find uh, you know 20 different examples of the same artifacts and put it all together so there, there are, but it, but it, we've all seen all this before, right? I mean, we've seen this many times before, and and I and I just think if you're gonna if you're gonna simulate a world for me, then uh, give me things to do in that world that I haven't done before, and that that's what I'd like to see. And I, you know, I completely accept that that is a, an extremely tall order. I think the point I was making is that if you're going to uh, spend a lot of time on really creating this beautiful world and a lovely story with lots of great characters, then it's kind of inevitable that something's going to give. And I think that what's given is innovation in terms of gameplay.
0: Well, Colin, it, you've definitely put a lot of thought into this review and certainly a lot of time into it. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me here today on Quality Control. It's always lots of fun. Thanks very much. And thanks to you at home for listening today. We've got a bunch more on Polygon, including reviews of the other two big games that are coming out today. That includes Super Mario Odyssey, and Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. Until we've got another game to talk about, this is Charlie Hall for Colin Campbell. Thank you for listening to Polygons Quality Control.
1: Media Podcast Network.